Hello all and welcome to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. I would actually love to start out this episode by giving a huge shout out to our orthopedic colleagues up in Columbus, Ohio. And they have actually recently, I guess recently within the past year, published a book called Pocket Pimped Orthopedic Surgery. It's a 270 page pocket sized book that can fit right into your back pocket. And they have at least, they asked the most 1500 uh, pertinent questions. It's actually a great read. I, I myself has read through it as well as Dr. Fitz. Um, we think it's a good resource for medical students and junior residents to have. There have actually been um, a couple cases where I had looked at the section in the book that the case was on before surgery and was asked that exact same question in surgery. So they are actually giving all listeners of this podcast a discount on their book if you go to www.pocketpimp.com and you use nailed it 15, you get a 15% discount just for being a listener to this podcast. All right, guys. Well, without further ado, let's get into the episode of the day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast, where it is our job to talk about different orthopedic topics and try to get you guys well versed in it. Um, as well as being able to handle kind of something comes in, uh, being able to handle it and manage that as well as answer some questions. But this episode is going to be a little bit different. We wanted to kind of just change the, the context of different things that we talk about. Um, so I'm going I'm to let, oh, I didn't even introduce myself, y'all. I'm, I'm Dr. Cole, one of the co-hosts to this podcast and joined here by. Yeah, and see, guys, that's why I'm here. I have to keep them. Keep them, keep them together, guys. I'm uh, I'm Dr. J. Fitz, guys. We're going to go ahead and get going, okay? So, like we said, this is a little different of a topic, but I think uh, it's going to be able to uh, fit a lot of people right now with the younger generation being a little bit more active on social media. Some of the older docs out there may be trying to see how to incorporate it into their practice and things like that. We brought on Dr. Nancy Shipley, who is a sports medicine doctor who is very active with social media, uh, as well as have a, a very active sports medicine practice as well. Uh, she did her residency at the Virginia Commonwealth in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and she did her fellowship training in arthroscopy and sports medicine at the Orthopedic Research of Virginia. Uh, we happened to go, come across Dr. Shipley, and we, we came up with a lot of great topics that she could talk about instantly. I mean, she has a wonder, uh, amazing personality, uh, but we decided to do something a little different and talk about how to use social media for the orthopedic surgeon. Uh, so guys, I hope, with no further ado, I hope you guys really enjoy this one. This might be something new that we try to do and add some different little topics in on things. So uh, enjoy. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Welcome to the Nailed It podcast. Today we have a very special guest. So excited. We actually have actually been looking forward to um, having this conversation with our guest, Dr. Shipley. So welcome so much uh, to, to the show and thanks for being on. Thanks. So happy to be here. Oh yeah. And I know we have a, this is a little different than our typical talk. Um, listeners, you'll, you'll understand why we say that here in a bit. But um, I think it's a, a good topic and I think it'll be uh, really interesting. But first, kind of just to start off, just getting to know you a little bit better. 
um, we see that you're a sports uh, trained uh, physician or orthopedic surgeon. So kind of what made you choose sports? You know, the age old question. Yeah, so um, so I did my residency at Virginia Commonwealth in Richmond, Virginia, and um, I did my fellowship at uh, Orthopedic Research Virginia, so it's known as the so-called Casperi Fellowship. Um, I was drawn to sports because of the patient population. I just really enjoy taking care of athletes, and and actually my favorite type or level of athlete to take care of is it's recreational, and I also really enjoy taking care of high school high school athletes as well. Um, I, although I don't do much in the way of peds, I do take care of older teens and I cover local, uh, the local high school football team as well. Um, or I just enjoy the level of motivation that my, my patients have uh, to get back to their, their um, lifestyle um, and whether that's recreational sports or just kind of maintaining their level of activity. Um, it, it, there's a lot of reward in that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because uh, I've been on the opposite side too when I was a patient and uh, and I suffered an injury, you know, dreaded ACL tear as many orthopedic surgeons have the same story. Um, and, you know, oh, I, yeah. I, found, I found that to be um, one of the big things. You know, you know, I'm also interested in sports and I think that's one of the things that kind of attracts me to it as well. Um, so awesome. Fitz, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask her. Yeah, yeah, that's just to throw my little two cents is that I'm like one of the rare orthopedic docs who don't really have that story of sports in my background. I never played any sports back back in my younger years. So that was always uh, something that just kind of came up during interview time. I'm like, oh, no, I never really played any sports. But but yeah, anyway, Dr. Shipley, uh, this is kind of going more towards our actual talk today. Uh, We happen to know that you're very... Uh, into speaking and into social media, and we just wanted to ask you what kind of started that 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 interest of just speaking to large audiences and things like that. So uh, I I started doing some speaking. You know, I mean, all of us going through medical school residency do presentations, and you know, we'll we'll present at our our rounds and whatnot. But um, I have the opportunity here in private practice in Portland, Oregon to work with hospital systems that um, I have privileges at. I'm, I'm in private practice, but I work with Providence and, and they have a program called OrthoWatch where they brought high school students in from all over the state. And these students were uh, involved with a kind of a healthcare career focused um, program. So um, these students would come in and I would do a lecture in the morning um, it's always great to get 14, 15, 16-year-olds up at 6 in the morning when they're, they're bleary-eyed, they're you know, teenagers. Oh, yeah. um, but I would, I would give them a talk on um, a surgery that I would be doing, and, and then they would live mic me up and head up to the OR and uh, perform a surgery while they watched it live. So oh. they got to um, watch it on camera, listen in to everything that um, – that I was talking about, whether it be to the rest of the surgical team or sometimes the moderator down at the auditorium would uh, shoot up some questions um, and I'd be able to answer them while I was doing the surgery. It just so happens that the surgery was an ACL surgery, um, ah. which um, Wendell, Wendell, you have experience with oh, yes, I do. Um, on both sides. 
And um, it was just cool. You know, um, I really enjoyed interfacing with the high school students in that way. And then after I was done with the surgery, I would come down and give them a kind of a debriefing about what we did and take questions and answers. And I would also make sure to talk a little bit about my own personal path um, to medicine and to orthopedic surgery because I was atypical in a number of different ways. I um, was a so-called non-traditional medical student because I took several years off after college. Um, and I write and I blog about, you know, just just my path into medicine um, and how I got there. And and also being female, there just aren't a lot of women that go into orthopedics. Now it's changing, fortunately. But yeah. Um, yeah, I always make sure I talk a little bit about um, not just the clinical aspects of the surgery that I do, but also just my path there, especially because these are these are teenagers, these are kids that want to go into medicine and healthcare. So that that kind of got me started um, with speaking and having an interest in speaking. Um, and then just uh, my need for having a creative outlet got me into blogging and that led to just being a little bit more active on social media. Well, there it is. Okay. Well, and that, that kind of brings us to the topic of the, the, the talk today. Um, what what do you think? I know since you've been doing this, and like you say, that's been your kind of your creative outlet for 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 some time now. What role do you think social media plays for the physician in today's time? You know, I think that it's a great opportunity for physicians to get out there, and it it actually serves a number of different roles. It really depends on the goal of the individual. Um, obviously, just like you guys are doing, there is a role for education, and that can be education of the general public, it can be education of your peers, it can be education for future surgeons, future orthopedic surgeons. Uh, it's also a great way to network, and um, you'll also see a lot of physicians on there where they use social media more for self-fulfillment and for their other hobbies or even side hustles. Um, they may be talking about things that have nothing to do with orthopedics or even nothing to do with medicine, but because being a physician is part of their identity, they will kind of have that as part of their profile as well. But it, it really just depends on the individual's goals. Now, in, in what you do, do you, is there a specific platform that you uh, favor over the, over the others? It's like such as Instagram or Facebook, or do you favor Twitter or do you kind of just mm -hmm. use, you know, all of them generally? You know, I'm probably, um, I'm definitely most active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also more recently become more active on Twitter. And it, it's interesting. I've learned that the different platforms have different purposes. And you'll also get different types of followers on the various platforms. Um, using just my own experience as an example, on Instagram, I, I include a, a little bit of lifestyle, a little bit of the work that I do, and um, by far, my biggest followership tends to fall into the pre-med pre -med or med student or even um, resident kind of uh, arena. Um, and I try to keep things lighthearted. I include a little bit of just, you know, what it's 
like to be a surgeon and not just the clinical part of it, but lifestyle and what it means to be a parent and a surgeon, a mom and a surgeon, um, what it's like to live here in Portland and be a surgeon. So I, I have sort of a pretty varied, um, uh, I have pretty varied content that I put on there. Um, and it just kind of gives you a, a slice of, you know, what my life is like. Um, but I'm also on Twitter and I found that on Twitter, I tend to connect more with my orthopedic colleagues and the discussions can range anywhere from discussing healthcare policy or orthopedic cases um, uh, or other things that are pertinent to a practicing surgeon. Hmm. Now, do you ever use social media as far as like, do you ever get not consults, but do you ever get um, referrals, you know, from social media that say, hey, you know, somebody was following you, a patient end up seeing you. And they the way that they say that they heard about you was through Instagram or through, you know, Twitter or one of those outlets. I, I would say as far as getting referrals for patients that comes more from my connections that I've made with other physicians as opposed to people who have sought me out on social media. And I think that's mainly because, you know, especially with my larger following on Instagram, it tends to be more people who aspire to do what I do, um, like the pre-meds, as opposed to people looking for orthopedic information on my, at least on my Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that those that want to come in to see me as a patient or end up seeing me as a patient may encounter the material that I put out on my website uh, more and may find me that way. Um, but uh, it, it tends to, uh, as far as kind of generating clinical business and, and um, getting patients, that's, that's more maybe the stuff that I put out on my website. I try to put more of the patient-focused information out on my website and also on my blog. I see. And, and towards the Instagram account, do you think that the information you're putting out is more so geared towards the medical students and residents? and uh, Or do you just think that's the crowd that's kind of on that platform that's more likely to just come happen to come across your page? I think it's, it's a little bit of both. It, it, you know, I think that um, as, as I was putting content out, you, you know, looking at it analytically, I would see what there seemed to be more of a demand for. And, you know, I could post about something and, and have no one really care, you know, or I could post about something else like, you know, what was involved in getting into med school or maybe what my, what my typical week is like. And then I'd get a lot of interest. So that sort of drove what I would produce more of and put more of on my account. So, you know, I think that, um, just depending on who you are and what you do and what you initially put out there, it may kind of steer you in one direction or another, just based on who your followers are and what your followers want. Mm. And and so how do you think, you know, us as physicians, you know, even residents or even say med students that are, you know, going into residency or even there might be some attendings listening to this. How do you think um, that they can take advantage of social media? Like, you know, what do you think, that they can do to, I guess, um, 
not not for say ride the wave, but you know, take advantage of what what this has to offer. I, I think there is so much potential out there for uh, physicians utilizing social media. And, you know, like some of the things I mentioned above, there's a, it's, it's a great way to educate your patients. It, you know, it may or may not be um, a way to, to kind of gain more patients or gain more referrals, but um, it is a great vehicle to continue to educate um, existing patients or the general public. Um, I think that, you know, you can take advantage of social media if you stay focused on your ultimate goals. Um, if uh, it's, it's very easy to get sucked down into the rabbit hole of social media, both, both professionally and personally. And so I think one of the, the key things to remember is what, what are your motivations in getting onto social media um, as a physician, and what are your ultimate goals? And then you can refine what you're doing on there to remain focused and true to your goals and true to your brand, whatever your brand is. And you kind of almost hit on it there. Do you, what are some of the pitfalls you think uh, that someone can kind of fall fall victim to with, with social media sometimes that can actually be a negative more so towards their career? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think staying, staying focused helps you refine what you're putting out there because it's very easy to get on social media and just kind of feel like you're, you're on there a lot and spinning your wheels and spending all the time doing it. And if you don't kind of keep your goal in mind, then it can be a complete time suck. You know, you can really get sucked down the rabbit hole. Um, and, uh, you know, find yourself chit-chatting with a lot of people and interacting with people, but not really, um, staying true to what your, what your goals are and what your brand is. Um, I think another really big, big thing that, um, in particular us as physicians and, and other healthcare providers, um, really have to watch out for is HIPAA. Um, right. you know, just being very, very careful about what is being posted. You know, I think in the strictest sense, even if you don't talk about uh, who your patient is, you don't have any identifiers, but you're saying, hey, look at these pictures. Here I am in the OR today. And here's a intraoperative photo of somebody with a clavicle fracture. This was the first case of my day. Well, you know, maybe people out there um, across state lines may not know, but, you know, if someone is, happens to have, you know, access to, or, you know, somebody locally says, oh, well, I know who this is. This person was the first, first case of uh, so-and-so day. Um, Then you run into some HIPAA violations. And we all know that that can be uh, pretty stiffly penalized. And so, you know, if I, I, I do have you know, everyone who comes through my clinic does, does sign a, um, agreement that I may use anonymous images, whether it's radiographic images or interoperative images for educational content, um, and that it does remain anonymous. I, I am still very, very careful about not, not posting specifics about a case on that day saying, this is what I'm doing right this minute. 
you know, I really keep things very generic. And if I have something educational, maybe it's a cool fracture that I did, or maybe, you know, a total shoulder I did, that was an interesting case. I I just don't post it on that day so that you you can't, you can't trace that back. So I think Mm -hmm. that's for physicians, that's like one major pitfall of, of publicizing anything that you're doing clinically. Um, you know, another, Another thing that I, I would want to point out with social media, with how visual of a medium it is, is that even outside of what we're doing clinically, you know, especially when it comes to lifestyle stuff that people might be posting, it, it's really important to remember that the internet is forever. Yeah. It just will never go away. And so just what you post, um, whether it is something visual or something that you say, um, I think think before you do it because, you know, you can get in trouble with something that you say if it's like overly political or it's inflammatory or, you know, don't don't post after you've had a couple beers, (laughs) (laughs) at least not on your your public your public profile um, because you know, that, that can get dicey. Um, I always say, you know, especially if there's a potential patient that, you know, might be thinking about having you as their physician, you just want to be careful what you're posting. And if it's something that you wouldn't want your grandmother's bridge partner to be seeing or reading, you know, um, then maybe don't put it on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I, I've, I've, uh, cause I follow a couple orthopedic pages, at least on Instagram. And I've seen a couple times where, you know, there'd be patient ad- ad- identifiers, you know, like such as like obvious tattoos and things like that in, yeah. um, in the picture. So, you know, I, I know I've definitely seen it. I know it's something that can be, um, that can be, that can be violated a lot. Cause I know I've seen it before. And, um, also, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, I know you do, you have a, you've built a following on Instagram. How, what tips do you have for like building a social media presence? I think that, um, you know, what's, what's gonna, what's gonna be best for growing your social media presence is, is quality content and authenticity. Um, you know, and of course, with certain platforms like Instagram, it's very visual. And so there's always the conundrum of like, oh, you know, what, what do I need to post that's going to visually grab somebody? Because that, that, that may be what brings people initially in to, to kind of look on your page and stay on your page. Having something visually pleasing as far as just the overall look is helpful, but you're not going to get really good engagement. You're not going to get really good followership where people are going to repeatedly come back and, and engage with you and look at your content if it is not something of value um, and not something authentic. And so, you know, I think that there are some things to learn from the really popular Instagram accounts as far as you know, what's visually appealing, what is balanced to the eye, you know, there is that design component, you can't ignore that on a platform like Instagram. Um, But ultimately, there needs to be good stuff, good quality stuff on there, um, that your followers are going to want to come back for. And it's got to provide some kind of a value. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be empty. 
All right. Now, do you typically plan your posts or is it just as you go, you know, you just post things as life happens? You know, it's a little bit of both. Um, I, uh, I started out not planning very far ahead and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in practice and I have a family and kids and it just, it can end up being really very time consuming. And so I have found it to just make much more sense to me to actually um, plan my posts. And I use, I use one of those um, platforms to, to just sort of push things out um, in a timely fashion on a regular basis. But, you know, I'll create stuff and I'll write stuff when I have a chunk of time. So I batch, so I do batch, but, um, but for example, like on Instagram and, and, you know, Twitter, um, I will, if something newsworthy comes up, then I'll post it either on either of those platforms um, where it's relevant to today, you know, or what's going on in the news right now. Um, I utilize Instagram stories to just, you know, that doesn't take a lot of time for me to say, hey, I'm headed to the OR today, or oh, hey, I've got a busy clinic today, and, you know, and maybe I'll give some tips or just kind of pearls. Um, and that'll be more on the fly. Um, those those just tend to be a little bit more spontaneous. Right. Okay. Right. And, and I know on your Instagram page, you have a, a pretty good following. I was just wondering about how long do you think it, t- it took you to, to kind of get to where you are now as far as on Instagram? I've been on Instagram now um, probably a, about a year and a half, two years. Um, and so, you know, I think that trying to identify what kind of topics are of interest and what kind of content is of interest has been really helpful with growth. Um, I think engagement is helpful. Um, I, I engage with the followers personally. I answer questions when I get um, private message the best that I can. Um, and I think that has been instrumental in, in kind of building the followership, um, you know, and, and kind of going back to other pitfalls, you know, sometimes I do get questions about, you know, hey, I've got this problem. What would you suggest? And you got to be really careful with making it clear that we are not establishing a doctor-patient relationship. I'm not giving medical advice. If it's kind of generalities, like if somebody messages me about like, Hey, you know, I want to know if I, um, what I should do about my spine. Clearly I'm, that's like totally outside of my scope. I'm not going to give medical advice first of all, anyway, but I may tell this person, I was like, you know, uh, I I can't engage with you in that way, but uh, what you probably should do is talk to somebody who's a specialist in spine. Um, you know, and, and if you, if you establish yourself as a patient with somebody, then they'll be able to give you much better advice. And so I really keep things generic and, and, and just am very cautious about, uh, you know, giving the impression that, that I'm offering any kind of medical advice at all. Um, so I'm very clear about that. And I also even, you know, include that in my profile, um, it, it kind of seems odd to even have to say it, but I, I, put on there, Instagram is not a source of medical advice. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, of course, but, but you kind of have to, because there are always going to be those inquiries. Absolutely. Well, 
I think that's actually a great point to bring up because you never know. You don't want to get into, you know, any any issues that you don't have to be in. Um, I think this was a pretty, pretty awesome talk. I actually enjoyed it. Just kind of having a brief overview of some of the things in social media that could be helpful for our careers uh, if you choose to use it. Yeah. Sound like uh, sound like he was kind of saying, well, I'll ask. So let's compare the new you know, new attending, young attending, going into his career versus the attending who say he's been around for 25, 30 years. Oh, that's a little long. 20 years, somewhere <laughs> in there, around 20 mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, how how important do you think the use of social media is for those two? One who's been around for a long time who hasn't used it versus one who's brand new and about to start a, a brand new career? You know, I I think that there is a role in social media for anybody. Um, It is, you know, and it it may depend on how tech savvy an individual is. But honestly, even if you introduce something like how to tweet to someone who is, you know, maybe not in the generation where they're super comfortable, it's still easy to learn how to do some basics. And and, um, like Twitter, you'll find... Um, you'll find people of all age demographics that you'll, you'll find folks that are, you know, I'm squarely in generation X, but, you know, even the next generation older than me, you'll find folks on Twitter who can talk about really meaningful stuff and and things that are meaningful to them. Um, And they can be a great source of education and pearls and insights from uh, somebody who's been out for several years um, that you may not get from a new attending or a resident. And so I, I don't think that, you know, age or duration of, of um, years that they've been in practice really should be a barrier. I think that the general public, as well as us as physicians and residents have something to learn um, from people, no matter where they are in training. Um, and, and it's great to connect. I, I, I liked it, you know, when I started getting on Twitter, I really liked how it was the great equalizer. Um, it, it, it's like everyone's equal on Twitter. You can engage with somebody who you normally maybe wouldn't, wouldn't walk up to and have a casual conversation with on Twitter. And it's, it's actually really, really cool in that way. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, Tweet chattering, twit chat, you know, whatever, Twitter chattering Twittering. with um, whatever the <laughs> Twittering. Yeah, see, yeah. see clearly, like I'm still learning. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm tweeting with the chairman yeah, of whatever. And, you know, it really is this great equalizer where you can have a conversation with somebody about your work and about whatever that, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago you would not have been able to. Absolutely. And that kind of, you know, I think that's a, a great way to start wrapping this talk up. We always end our shows with uh, asking our, hope, uh, excuse me, our guests, is there a way that they like for the listeners to come by and be able to reach out to them? And I know for you, because this is a talk on social media, I'm sure you have a couple different ways. So, Dr. Shipley, what are some, yeah. of, some of our listeners could reach out to you if they just wanted to speak with you or had any questions or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find me at my website. It's www.nancymd.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which is kind of in its uh, fledgling 
fledgling year or two, but um, I'm putting more helpful content on there, both for aspiring surgeons and for the general public. And um, my handle on YouTube is also Nancy MD. Um, I am on both Instagram and Twitter with the handle underscore Nancy MD. And those are probably the places where you'll find me most active. So happy to um, reach out or talk to uh, any of your listeners on there with uh, questions pertaining to whatever, social media, orthopedics, um, open to it. And, and I generally am very engaging on there. So happy to, to chat. Yeah, Dr. Chipley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking. Really enjoyed it. I think it was a great talk. I think the people will get something out of it. And uh, we really just wanted again thank say thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to yet another episode of the Nailed It Orthopedic Podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We wanted to, you know, switch things up a little bit with Dr. Shipley here and do a episode on social media. So we hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of variety there. Um, for any show notes as well as to uh, follow us and, and stay in contact with us, you can go to nailedortho.com for show notes as well as links to other shows. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at nailedortho. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at nailedortho at gmail.com. Until next time.